0: Evidence and answers. The majority of the culture believes that truth is relative and not absolute. Christianity stands on truth being absolute. Is truth relative or absolute? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zuccaran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, we will be listening to a message that was taken from our 2020 Evian Youth Apologetics Conference. Annually, Pat brings in guest speakers from all over to teach and equip the youth of today. Now here's Clint Manley with a message entitled, The Failure of Relativism.
1: So what we're going to be talking about tonight is truth and relativism. And this is an incredibly important issue, and and here's why. If you're in this room tonight, either you love Jesus and you want to strengthen your faith, or you're testing Jesus to see if he's legitimate. And either way, truth is an incredibly important thing in that venture. Because Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you treasure Jesus, then you should love the truth and be able to defend it. On the other hand, if you're searching, it's really important to know if there is truth. Because if there is no truth, then that statement that Jesus made is nonsense at best. And we're going to hit on some deep stuff tonight. Don't worry if you don't understand everything. I, I just want to get your minds working. I want to get you thinking. I want to whet your appetite and get you asking the right questions. And I'd encourage you, as you have questions tonight, write them down and submit them with that QR code that Gary was talking about. And we'll address them in the Q&A later today and, and also tomorrow. So here's the main question that we're going to try to answer tonight. Is relativism true? in order to answer that, we need to start with some definitions. So first off, what is truth? When we say something is true, what do we mean? For example, if I said the statement, Clint is bald, what makes that a true statement? Well, to be bald is to not have any hair. I don't have any hair, so it's a true statement that I'm bald. That statement conforms to reality. It's a faithful description of how the world really is. And so... A definition of truth is when something is true, it is faithful to what's real. A true statement is an accurate statement about the way the world really is. Truth conforms and it corresponds to reality. An objective truth or absolute truth, it doesn't depend on anyone's personal preferences or how many people know it or even believe it. Truth simply describes the way the world really is. And so what is relativism? That's the other definition we need before we can tackle this. Relativism is the worldview that claims that there is no truth, or at least no absolute truth. Relativists say that all truth is subjective, meaning it's a preference, kind of like flavors of ice cream. You can like vanilla or chocolate, it's your personal preference. And that's relativism at its core. And if truth is whatever conforms to reality, the relativist essentially says reality is whatever you choose it to be. You determine your own reality. You make your own truth. That's what people mean when they say things like, that's true for you, but it's not true for me. They're creating their own reality. And this is the essence of relativism. There is no universal standard of true and false, right or wrong, good or bad, beautiful or ugly, that is valid for everyone. There is no universal standard of what's true. The relativist essentially says, I'm moral because I set the standard. And let me kind of give you a picture. I have a picture in my mind about, to help you illustrate this. I go on a lot of runs. I, I really enjoy running. And one of the runs that I go on back on Molokai overlooks the Kalapapa Peninsula. And on the tip of that peninsula, there's a a very beautiful lighthouse. And sometimes on dark mornings when I'm running before the sun has risen, I look down on that lighthouse and all that you can see is the light and the beam of the light. Everything else is, is pitch black. And you can imagine in that moment that all that existed was the lighthouse and what it was shining on. Well, that's kind of a picture of relativism. See, the relativist says that the only truth that exists is what my personal light is shining on. Each person is like a lighthouse, and all that is real for that person is what their personal light illuminates. A rock may be real and true for one person because their light reveals it, but it may not be true for another person because their light is shining on the beach. And so we have to ask the question, is that a good picture of the, world, of the way the world really is? Is that how reality actually works? Or is relativism true? And I think this illustration actually helps show us one of the main problems of relativism. Just because the lighthouse is shining on something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. The rocks are still there even if the light is shining on the water. The waves are still there, even if the light is shining on the sky. Truths don't become real just because you see them. The rocks are real regardless of whether they're illuminated. They'll still sink ships. But we can actually take this illustration one step further. Because if you were standing in that lighthouse, looking down the beam of that light, you could only see with the light illuminated. But we have other senses that you would be able to perceive with. You could smell the salt of the ocean. You could hear the waves crashing. You could feel the wind on your face. Sight is not your only sense. And in the same way, we can perceive truth with other senses. We have consciences and moral intuitions and imagination. And all of these things help us to perceive reality. We're not limited to just what we can see. So what do all of those senses tell us about relativism? Well, first off, reason tells us that relativism is self-refuting. And we're trying to answer the question, is relativism true? That's the main question we're trying to answer in this talk. And I've asked that question in a very specific way. And you might ask why. Well, it's because relativism is the claim that there is no truth And the question, is relativism true, can be rephrased, is it true that there is no truth? Or is it absolutely true that there is no absolute truth? And I think you begin to see that relativism contradicts itself. It basically says it is true that there is no truth. See, a self-refuting statement is one that is undercut by its own criteria, for instance, There are no English sentences is a self-refuting statement. Or never say never is a self-refuting statement. Self-refuting statements are basically nonsense. They don't communicate anything real. And so the easiest way to deal with relativism is simply to ask one question. If someone tells you I'm a relativist, I don't believe in any absolute truth, all you have to ask is, Is that absolutely true? That person who told you that statement, they want you to believe the statement they made is a true statement. But that's impossible because they've just told you that there are no true statements. When someone says there is no absolute truth, they're making an absolute truth claim. And so, if it's true, it's false. And, of course, if it's false, it's false. So, either way... The statement doesn't hold up. It's impossible for that statement, there is no truth, to be true. So let me give you a couple more questions. Relativism really is that easy to debunk. It's not that difficult. Let me give you a couple more questions to, to prove this point. If someone tells you there is no truth, simply ask the question, oh really, is that true? Or if someone tells you, nobody can know the truth, ask them, how do you know that statement is true? Or if someone tells you this is a more common one, well, that's true for you, but it's not true for me, ask them, does that statement that you just made apply to everyone? Relativism destroys itself. It actually dies on its own sword. But we have other senses as well. Intuition tells us that relativism is obviously false. There's a couple of reasons for that. The first is that relativistic thinking violates the law of non-contradiction. And the law of non-contradiction is a fancy phrase, but basically it means that two contradictory statements can't both be true at the same time. For example, let's say I'm talking to a relativist that says that they are an atheist. He believes that there is no absolute truth. He also believes that there is no God, which, by the way, is an absolute truth. Now, I'm a theist. I believe that there is a God. Both of us believe something that's true about reality. Namely, whether God exists or he doesn't exist. And in no way can my claim that God exists and his claim that God does not exist be true at the same time in the same reality. Those are mutually exclusive claims. It's it's nonsense to say that both of those things are true. And yet those kinds of things happen all of the time when people reason using relativism. And and there's a second reason for this. Everyone knows some things to be true. If there is even one objective truth, just one, then relativism is false. And so you can ask somebody who is relativistic if they believe that things exist. Are there any real things in the world like podiums and chairs and signs? Or is everything that we see an illusion? If the person says that things don't exist, then you quickly rush them to the nearest hospital for crazy people, right? Because the world is not an illusion. But if they say that things do exist, that is a truth claim. And so their relativism is false. Now, even though it's obvious that relativism is not true, that it cannot be true because it is self-refuting and self-evidently false, many people still believe it. And you might ask, why? Why do people believe something that doesn't make any sense? And here's the reason. Conscience tells us that relativism is an issue of the heart that corrupts the mind. See, guys, relativism is not a new idea. It's not a 20th century idea. The roots of relativism are recorded on the second page of the Bible. Remember, God created Adam, and he created Eve, and he gave them every tree in the garden except one tree. He gave them 10,000 things to enjoy and one thing to avoid. And do you remember what the serpent said to Eve to break God's standard? The serpent said to Eve, Is it really true that God has said you must not eat any tree of the orchard? Satan got Eve to question the truth of God and his word. It's been Satan's strategy from the very beginning to undermine truth. And that is still his strategy today. He's never changed throughout time. The Garden of Eden was an entire world of yeses and a single no. And Satan took that one no and turned it into the one thing that Adam and Eve said yes to. And Adam and Eve's desire for that one no led them to disregard the standard that God had given them. And that kind of desire is at the root of all relativism. See, at the heart of relativism is a heart problem. And Paul talks about this in Romans 1, 18 through 21. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. You can think of ungodliness and unrighteousness as rebellion against the truth. And why does this happen? Because they suppress, they hold down the truth in unrighteousness. How? For although they, the rebels, knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor were thankful, but they became bankrupt in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And I, I love how relevant the Bible is. Hard hearts produce soft minds. The Bible always ties issues of the heart with issues of the mind. And it also says that everyone knows the truth, but suppresses it and holds it down. Think of it this way. Imagine that truth is a a giant beach ball. And everyone has this beach ball, but some people are trying to hold it under the surface of the water. They're suppressing it. That's what that word means so that they don't have to see it. But if any of you guys have ever tried to hold a big beach ball under the water, it's not easy to do. It's hard to balance, and a lot of times the ball ends up popping out of the water in spite of our best efforts. Well, helping the beach ball to the surface is really the entire aim of apologetics, is exposing the truth that people try to hold under the surface. And so with apologetics, you can think of it as poking people's arms, Or tickling them so that the suppressed truth of the beach ball rockets to the surface and it can be seen by all. But since relativism is an issue of the heart, tickling the mind alone won't get to the root of the problem. Reason alone can't save a man whose mind is sick. We have to get to the heart. And and so I'd like to spend the rest of our time in this session talking about the heart issues of relativism. One of the best ways that we can address this topic is to expose the beach ball of truth and clearly and convincingly express the fatal flaws of relativism. And and by the way, this, this is called offensive or positive apologetics. Apologetics doesn't just answer objections to Christianity. It also deals with expressing what we believe and why we believe it based on Scripture. And so I'm going to approach this second half as as a Christian and as a pastor. And I want to give you some ammunition to use when you're talking to a relativist. So let's look at five of the fatal flaws of relativism. The first one is that relativism violates our purpose for existing and commits cosmic treason. And this is the most important issue with relativism. If you don't get anything else. See... Relativists deny any ultimate purpose in life and in the universe. And here's the reason for that. All value judgments, good and bad, right and wrong, ugly and beautiful, are based on purpose or design. Only if I know the purpose for something can I say that it is good or bad. For instance, I can only say that this podium is a good or bad podium if it has a purpose. If it was created to hold my tablet, then I can say it's a good podium if it holds up my tablet, and if it collapses, I can say it's a bad podium. But if the podium is just here by accident, if it has no purpose or no design, then I can never say that it's good or bad. It just is. And the flip side of that means that if there is no such thing as good or bad, then I imply that no podiums have any purpose. And that's exactly what relativists say. Relativists say there is no good and no bad. By denying truth and values, relativists deny all purpose and design for life. But guys, the Bible clearly teaches us that human beings have a purpose. God created mankind with purpose and design. Guys, do you know why you exist? This is the most important question you can ask. Do you know why you exist? When you roll out of bed in the morning and your feet touch the floor, do you know what your purpose in life is? I do, because Isaiah 43, 7 says that God created mankind for his glory. The Westminster Catechism sums up the entire biblical teaching on this by saying the chief end, the purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is such freeing truth. And that means our purpose is to both know God with our minds and to enjoy him with proper affections. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the truth, and we exist to treasure that truth. Since God created with a purpose then, that means that there is an ultimate standard for good and bad that is measured by that purpose. God himself is the standard of truth. And how well we measure up to him and how well we accomplish our purpose to know and enjoy God is the determining factor for all good and bad. And since relativism denies that purpose, they rebel against truth and they deny the reason that we exist. They commit treason against God. Here's the second flaw of relativism. Relativism masks arrogance and pride. In our culture, if you claim that there is objective truth that all must submit to, you're called arrogant. How many of you guys have heard someone say something like, how dare you judge me? That's arrogant and intolerant. Or, who are you to tell me what is true or not? See, relativism wears the clothes of humility. And says that anyone who holds to objective truth is arrogant, but actually it's just the opposite. See, like the emperor who had no clothes on, relativism is totally naked, but it is completely full of pride. Remember, we said that truth is something that submits or conforms to the way the world really is. And so to deny truth is to refuse to submit to reality. Let me give you an illustration of what this would look like. It's as if when I was a little boy, I said to my dad, you know, dad, I'm really not sure that you actually are my dad. I, I'm just not smart enough to know the truth about that. I, I can't really know you're my dad. I can't even really know that I have a dad. And so I'm going to go ahead and be my own dad. I'm going to go ahead and be my own authority and make up my own rules and obey them. Now, how do you suppose my dad would respond to me in that situation? gee, son, I guess I was being pretty arrogant to be your dad. I'm so glad that you learned to truly be humble. No, right? But that's exactly what relativism says. I can't know if there's truth or a standard, so I will do whatever I want to do and call it good and bad. That's pure, prideful rebellion against God. People try to make themselves the emperor of truth And say they are wearing humble clothes when in reality they are nakedly prideful. And you might say, how does that work? If relativism is so arrogant, why does it seem to sound humble and selfless most of the time? How does it come off that way? Well, relativism is humble, but it's humble where it should not be humble. Relativism is humble in the truth where we should have strong convictions, And it places pride in self exactly where we should be humble. Or to say it another way, pride in self plus humility in truth equals relativism. And that is exactly why this idea that there is no truth is so attractive to our society. We have become totally man-centered and prideful in our thinking. And relativism allows you to create your own God, which looks exactly like you. You guys ever wonder why selfies and Instagram are so incredibly popular in this age of relativism? It's because relativism frees you to make a God out of yourself. And Instagram allows you to set up an idol to that God, sacrificing selfie after selfie in worship at the altar of self. And friends, James 4.6 says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so we need to be very careful in the way that we choose to submit to truth and to reality. Here's the third fatal flaw of relativism. Relativism destroys language. And this is one of the things that most affects me with relativism. Because I love words and language. God created language as a beautiful, truth-bearing tool. The great and glorious goal for which God created both words is breathtakingly beautiful and brilliantly bold, but relativism destroys language. And here's why. If there's no truth, no reality outside myself, then words don't refer to anything. Words become whatever I want them to be. See, here's the way words work. Words represent ideas or objects, I say the word podium, and that represents this object right here. And the power of words is in their ability to communicate and to describe reality. For instance, if I say Clint is a man, well, you know, Clint refers to Clinton Manley, the bald dude standing on the stage, and man refers to a male, one of the two distinct genders that God created. And that statement is a faithful representation of reality. It's a true statement based on our definition.
0: We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference. Give them a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact them through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. You will also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you. So be sure to look around our website and share it with others. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zukran.